You know how most women second-guess ourselves when it comes to stepping into our God-given purpose? Well, we get it. So we created the Truth Academy. It's an online spiritual life school designed to help you uncomplicate biblical truth, but to also give you a roadmap to living a powerful life. If you've been feeling stuck, you feel like you need some gas in the car and you don't quite know what to do, Truth Academy is a perfect place for you to join our community of other women that are also trying to live a powerful life with a Bible-based focus. If that's you and you would like to join or you would like more information, you can go to truththetable.com and there you'll find our new Truth Academy sign up. Uh, it's not open quite yet, but it will be opening very shortly. So you want to make sure you join the wait list and we'll also throw it in the show notes so you don't miss a thing. All right, let's jump in to today's podcast. Hi, you guys, it's Havala. Today we're talking about winning in the everyday when it comes to your kids' lives. This is really important specifically because, well, these kids are your kids and they're there for you to raise. I was listening to a show yesterday and the host said, being a parent is not a noun, it's an adjective. It's parenting, not just being a parent. That's really what sets great parents aside are the ones that don't just call themselves a mom, but they mother. They don't just call themselves a dad, but they father. That's really important. So I wanna give you five simple steps on how to actually win in the everyday with your kids. Now, how many of you know that being a parent is no joke? It's exhausting. It's deflating. It's really rewarding, but man, it is a long-term commitment for growth, right? It's every day watering that, that tree until finally it grows some awesome fruit. So let me give you five simple ways to empower your kids, to empower yourself as a parent, and whether you are the mom or dad or grandparent or aunt, If you have influence in a child's life, all five of these areas will work for you. All right, let's talk about winning in our everyday. Again, this is our summer series, Everyday Wins, and today is a kid focus. The first thing I recommend that we do collectively as a community when it comes to helping our kids is we learn their love language. I know I picked up the five love languages when I had first gotten married, and it was revolutionary. I began to understand how to speak my husband's love language, which was awesome. I thought his love language was sex. (laughs) No, he has a, a couple other love languages that are really important. And I as well have different love languages. My top two, well, my first love language, which really surprised me, was gifts. Gifts are really, they really speak love to me. And when I first heard this, I thought you had to be like the ultimate consumer and you needed it to be expensive and elaborate. No, that's not what gifts are. It's a thoughtful thing that somebody just sees that you could use or you would like, and they, they just find a way to bring it or give it to you. Like bringing me a Starbucks or giving me a piece of jewelry or even sending me a card. Those things really speak love to me. My secondary is affirmation. Although I could have got those mixed up. But affirmation is very important to me as well. Um, So basically, if you throw chocolate at me and yell, I love you, 
Uh, my love tank is full. <laughs> I'm curious, what's your love language? Let me know. I would love to know where you stand. So the first thing we want to do is understand our kids' love language. You do not have to be an adult to speak their love language or to know your love language. So one of my kids, time. Time is critical to them. They don't want me doing two things at once. They want me looking at them in the eyes. They want me taking time to not rush them as they communicate. They want to be with me and it needs to be the quality of time, not just the quantity of time. One of my kids, all about gifts. If I take him to the store and I buy him something that surprises him, whether it's a TikTok, you know, TikTok box or whether it's an extra pair of shoes, oh, he feels loved. He loves it. Another one of my kids, man, it is all about affirmation. I just have to say, wow, you did phenomenal. Look how good you did at that. Wow, I just love this about you, how kind you are or compassionate. Man, that kid loves it. And you know when I start to mess it up as a parent? When I stop speaking their love language. Again, my love language is gifts and affirmation. So I have a tendency to be very affirming, affirm my kids over and over and over and buy them little things or make them little things. But that doesn't mean they feel loved. So I have to go back and think, okay, why do I feel disconnected to this kid? Or why is he kind of holding me at arm's length? Maybe I'm not speaking his love language. And I will intentionally think about a way that day to do something that speaks their love language. One of my kids is pretty low maintenance. And you really wouldn't know what his love language was until he was at school and he took a test. Thank you, Christian educators. Wow, what a gift we have in you. But he took a test on love languages in junior high. Brilliant. How amazing. Anyway, let's just keep going. So he took this test and he found out the gifts were his love language. Well, this summer we're doing life and he comes home from an event and I realize I am not feeling very connected to him. So I ask him to contribute around the house. So he's got to power wash the fence outside. So he's power washing the fence and he does a few more things. And then I just look at him and I say, you know, I, I obviously need you to contribute but I just saw how hard you worked. And so I popped an extra $10 in your green light account. You guys, his face lit up. He talked about it. He used it that day. It mattered. And I thought, Havala, come on. <laughs> this is stuff you know. It just, I get out of the habit. So again, finding ways to add love languages. I mean, I'm thinking about, I'm making their lunch for the next two weeks. So with one of them, I can throw in a little card that's an affirmation. I love you. If your kid's love language is time, then maybe surprise them and take them out to lunch. If your kid is gifts, then put something special in the lunch or give him a couple bucks so he can spend it on, on campus. If it's touch, then maybe walk them to their class. Give them a big hug before they go into their class. These are really simple things that just show them that you speak their love language and that they can stay connected. So learn their love language. Don't assume what it is. The second thing I think that's really important is to create landmarks, landmark celebrations for our kids. Now, I did this when I was growing up. I had one landmark celebration, and it was when I was 13. My dad had me dress up to go on a date with him. I have a twin sister. We had separate dates. 
And I'll never forget, he took me to a Chinese restaurant and he had put a surprise in a fortune cookie. You might not know this, but apparently if you throw a fortune cookie in the microwave, it softens and you can put a gift or something in the fortune cookie and then reshape it and it hardens and all of a sudden it's there's a surprise. So inside that ring, my dad had given my sister and I each a ring. It was a ring. They had gotten some opal stones in Australia. They'd come back, had them set um, in a little a little setting. And then when I turned 13, I got all dressed up. So funny. When I look back, I was such an 80s girl. My hair is like higher than, you know, higher than a kite. I mean, it's just huge. It's, you know, the higher the hair, the closer to God. I had this short little mini skirt on. It was hysterical. Red lips, this really patterned shirt. So funny. Black leggings, all, all the 80s. And so while I was sitting there, my dad shared that I was now 13 and that he wanted to invest in me as a woman and really moving forward that he wanted to be able to play a a key role in me as a woman growing in the relationships, romantic relationships that I would be going into and just really just taking a minute to acknowledge just the sacredness of turning 13, the importance. And so we had that conversation and I wore that ring up until my wedding day. That ring symbolized that I was not alone in this journey, that this was sacred. My heart, my body, my journey, my story was sacred. And there was an acknowledgement of that, which allowed me to really acknowledge it even as I got older. And about five years into marriage, I realized I want to put that ring back on because this commitment wasn't just to my mom and dad. It was to God. It was to live a pure life. It was to add people into my team to help me live that life. And it was to treat my body and my relationships and my sexuality as a beautiful, sacred thing. And so that's why I wear it even to this day. So I recommend that might not be how you do it, but you can have certain landmarks. One of the landmarks we do in our house, and again, I wish I was more of a genius and had figured some of this out before we did, but we took our boys, Ben Cunnington, their dad, takes the boys on their 10th birthday for an overnight trip. This is a trip that he he basically says, you're 10. This is a moment that we're going to bond. He takes them to go do something they've never done before. And it's an acknowledgement of, hey, I see you. You're no longer a child. You are now going into growing up and you're 10. And so this is a big deal. We also do a trip on their 13th birthday. A 13th birthday is usually connected to mom and dad taking them to go do something fun. Now, we have obviously the benefit of travel in my life. So what we try to do is partner the trip with a speaking event so we can go somewhere fun and they get a chance to kind of be on the ministry trip, which they don't often get to be on all the time. And then it's the three of us. We took Judah to New York. We took Hudson to Texas. So at their 13th birthday, we see when it is and we plan a little trip around it. And then we also have hopes to either do some kind of experience on their 15th birthday or their 18th birthday. We are not there yet as parents, but Ben and I have been talking a lot about a rite of passage into masculinity. So we're not sure. In fact, if you have ideas or you have something that you've loved, please share it and I'll share it with my community 
um, we're looking for something that kind of brings them into manhood and really acknowledges that. So whatever it is for you, whether it's the first day of kindergarten, whether it's their 10th birthday, whether it's their 12th birthday, like Jesus, right? Like some kind of bar mitzvah or something, but think about something that acknowledges these roadmarks so they can begin to understand how important it is and that they're growing up and you're seeing it. So landmark celebrations. All right. The third way that we can win in our everyday with our kids is teaching them to share with each other their favorite things about each other. I don't know about you, but when we get into the routine of family and the familiarity, easy for me to say, of just like doing life and dinner and school and homework and carpool and all the things, oftentimes our feedback is critical. Don't touch that. Please don't. Please stop doing that. Or give me that. Or don't do this. Or hand me that. But we don't really teach our kids how to publicly affirm someone else. If you're married or you're an adult, then you understand how valuable it is when somebody you love looks at you in the eyes and says what they like about you. It changes everything. It can really feed what God has already put in you. It can identify it and build it. So one of the ways we do this in our house, not every time, please don't make this more than it is. <laughs> it's not it's not as sexy as it sounds. But what we try to do every once in a while is at dinner, we will say, okay, we want everyone to pick one person and share their favorite thing about them. So it can't just be their eyes or their height. It has to be a character attribute, something that they do, whether they're a great friend, whether they're, they're servant-hearted whether they, you know, don't leave them out, whatever it is, they pick one thing and we do it too. So as mom and dads, we pick one person. So I might say, okay, Beckham, I love that you are kind and you're such a good friend. And then Beckham gets to look around the table and pick somebody else. And then he shares. So everybody in the table participates and it's not just an adult listening to a kid, but it's everybody taking a minute to practice. And if we don't do it around the dinner table, we've often done it on a road trip. So we ask them, Okay, what's one thing that you love about that person? And then one thing Ben and I have done, which is takes a little bit of courage, but we've asked our kids, what's one thing you wish mom or dad changed about how we do life or how we treat you? And so we will let them go around and share the one thing that they would like us to work on, whether it's you know, you lecture too much or, you know, I don't like it that you, you get angry or whatever it is and they share it and you got to kind of take it. You got to take it on the chin, but let listen. And you'll find that there's kind of a common thread between all the kids about one area that I think the Holy Spirit can highlight and you can develop and grow. So that's been very, very helpful. And just between us, it's kind of cool because as a spouse, I have similar feedback for that spouse, but when their kids all say it, wow. That's very helpful and you can't deny it. Trust me, I've tried. It's been good for me. All right, fourth way that we can we connect on everyday wins. So not only do we learn their love language, number one. Number two, create landmark celebrations. Number three, do a favorite moment, favorite thing about you moment. But then we also sacrifice to include our kids. Now, I know this is a, a very modern day idea. Modern day shows, movies are all about separate vacations, separate girls' night outs, separate date nights, get the kids out of the room, you go do your life. And I'm all for that on certain levels. I think a 
private vacation between you and your spouse can be excellent. I think having a girl's night out or a guy's sports moment or whatever, I think all those are good. But if we're always finding ways to exclude our kids, then they'll never really feel that they were included, that they're not a burden, that they're not just being dealt with. And so Ben and I know that including our kids is going to be sacrificial. It's not going to be awesome sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be more work than we want to do. But we want them to know that we love being their mom and dad and they are not a burden and that they can be included in things that maybe they didn't even think they could or maybe they had never perceived. So, you know, one thing we try to do is is let our kids sit at a restaurant with us at a meal. Uh, let our kids go on vacation or let our kids go to some experience that maybe people would say, well, you know, don't let the kids do that. But I think our kids have to be in those environments to learn how to be in those environments. And so we don't take all four sometimes. Sometimes we take one or two, but we do try to include them. And we know it's a sacrifice, but I just want to caution you as parents, if everything is about getting away from the kids Don't be surprised is when they do grow up, they may not want to be around you because who wants to be around somebody who made them feel like a burden? So really consider, do they want to be around us? And my parents did this really well. And guess what? 45 years later, my parents are some of my best friends and we do a lot together because I knew they enjoyed me and that was important. Okay, fifth way we can actually win in our everyday with our kids. This is really critical. One of my favorites. And that is pray over your kids at night. Go into their room. Ask if you can pray for them. Say a prayer over them. They may fight you. They may be like, I don't want to do this. Or what are you doing, mom or dad? But just say, listen, can we just close the night out in prayer? And all I do is I don't make them pray. I don't make them engage. I just say, just close your eyes or just sit here quietly. And I just pray. I pray a hedge protection over them. I pray that whatever happened that day, that you would help. God, you would help them navigate that. If we had a conflict, I just say, Lord, help mom to raise, you know, Judah to be a godly man. Teach me how to do this well. Uh, or Lord, I thank you that you're you're making Hudson a leader and that you're teaching me how to raise him up to be a leader. And so I'm I'm really kind of closing the open-ended conversations that need to be closed. I'm praying over open wounds or conflict or even questions in their own heart. And I'm teaching them that they have a God that wants to help them in all these areas. And oftentimes my parents did this all growing up and it was my favorite moment of the day. Of course, I acted like I didn't like it when I got it as a teenager, but I always looked forward to it because it was a minute where my mom or my dad would just sit by my bed and just pray over me. And there was a peace that was not in my all, all day that I had experienced But it just showed me like, this is what we do. And this is really important. And I'm telling you what, I have seen God move. Even in my little, my littles, we had a prayer time where they asked me a question about the gospel. And if you talk to all four of my kids, I've led all four of my kids into their relationship with Christ, into their salvation. You And I can point to it in the evening before bed, the conversation got started And I began to teach them the gospel 
And two of them, I remember openly weeping, understanding like, wow, this is what God did. And there's such a sweetness. So, you know, I just recommend, don't just tell your kids, go get in bed. I'll see you tomorrow. This is such a sacred moment. I know you're done. It's sacrificial. Trust me, Ben and I are like, your turn. You know, we don't, we don't always do it together, but it's a sacrificial thing to do. But if you'll do it, if you'll get off the couch, get up, get off your butt and walk in and connect with your child at night. I'm telling you, the fruit of that moment is critical, and we can trace it back to some of our most critical moments of connection and and healing and love. All right, you guys, that's it for today. That's our five wins. Let's review them quickly. Number one, learn your child's love language. Number two, create landmark celebrations. Number three, have a favorite moments, favorite thing moment where we actually share what we love about them. Number four, sacrifice to include them so that they will sacrifice later to include you. And number five, pray over them at night. No matter what the sacrifice is, get up and go pray for them. All right, you guys, that's the win for today. Next week, we're going to talk about win in our personal development. So I hope you'll jump over and listen to that. If you love this podcast, please leave a review. I know. Every time I listen to podcasts, I'm like, really? Does it matter? You'd be shocked. Yes. Yes, it matters. And if you are on iTunes, there's this cool feature now where you can share the podcast with a friend. So when I click into my podcast, it says shared by my sister, my husband, this person. And so you can share this podcast with somebody. And when they open up their podcasts, they'll be able to see this podcast in front of them. Okay, guys, that's it for this moment. Uh, Hey. It's been a great summer. Lots of everyday wins. Don't be overwhelmed. Start small and we will win on our everyday. I'll see you next time. Um.